I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. Not except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. A transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk, man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Just don't go set up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Corn 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. It's not wasting any time when you bring in the rest of the team. He's the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. Matt, are you there? Yes, sir. I am. How are you? <laughs> Wonderful, now that I know we got you. And uh, the third member of our team, last but most definitely not least, uh, he wears many hats, but for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. I'm warning your hearts, Gerard Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. It is good to be uh, on the Blitz in the, uh, the 21st century form, basically. I'm, di- I'm, digging the, I'm digging the background, Rod. I know you're doing more video stuff. You got the yeah, uh, man. You got the the uh, the Rodcast is has been revived. It has been, man. Um, you know, your boy. Uh, as we you know, we talked about it on the Blitz, but uh, your boy is expecting. All right, you got a new member of the family coming. Yep. Uh, so, you know, your boy's just trying to grind. <laughs> trying to get the best <laughs> job. That's all it is. Basically what it is. I need more jobs. I was told when you get a kid, you need more jobs, man. And uh, just like you, uh, yeah. who got, you know, beautiful baby girl, I'm expecting a beautiful baby girl. So I got to get some more jobs, man. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, I lost one. So if anybody if anybody's looking for someone to fill some time <laughs> during the mid-afternoons, I'm available. Uh, no, I, I, I kid. I just. But I know Rod's got some big things going on. Matt's always got some irons in the fire. But let's go ahead and talk about it, guys. Uh, so here's the deal. I want to just lay this out before we get started. We're experimenting with some new technology. I'm saying this like we're doing some outside the box. We're on Zoom right now. So if the audio quality isn't, uh, you know, full go or whatever, it sounds like something's missing from the Blitz. Don't worry. We're, we're, we've got some time before that first week of, of game action to get all the kinks yep. worked out, and we're going to do we're that. Working. So, That's training camp for us. Yes, yes. These are more like OTAs, Rod, if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> so if you hear something like my dog's nails clicking on the floor in the background or something, then just, you know, for <laughs> She's 14. She's senile. She knows not what she does. Hey, I got a 14-year-old too, bro. She's yeah. uh, well, she'll turn 14 
in uh, like two months. So, Those fourteen-year-old yeah. labs, Rod, when they start needing help getting up off the floor and whatnot, it's uh, dude. It can be a she can't see, she can't hear. She <laughs> drops, you know, the bladder is whatever. It's hey, man, we just the, the plumbing doesn't work good anymore. Yeah, it's uh, all <laughs> we, we've all been. There. Uh, yeah, no, I did want to. However much time we've got with each other, and I know we've all got stuff to do, so I, I wanted to get something out this week for the listeners. Um, Texas, we're a week into camp at this point with the Longhorns. I had the chance to go out to I think three uh media viewing windows and I, guys i know i said this uh back during the early part of the summer after spring ball when we were talking about kind of expectations and setting the table i, I don't feel like i'm lying to myself now after granted we don't see much but just watching the watching the guys run around watching what little we get to see i don't feel like i'm lying to myself or trying to convince myself that this is a talented football team like I feel like okay, I, I'm convinced. My the eye test tells me this is a talented football team, and but I think what I'm starting to like, and this is the part that's scaring me, Rod. I'm starting to like some of the intangible stuff about this team because you know last night we had a player availability, and I was asking you know David Bendis said this is the closest team he's been a part of. Well, how many times have we heard that in the past, right? <laughs> well, the team has never been closer. The team has never been closer. Yeah. But he said what's different about this team, and he gave some examples. He said, you know, he and Christian Jones talk after practice, like what they're seeing from each side of the ball so that they can get better. He said when they're not, you know, eating or sleeping, you know, Malik Murphy and Jalen Ford are spending every waking hour outside of the practice field together just feeding off of each other. Uh, you know, Ryan Watts said communication in the secondary has never been better. As a matter of fact, his exact quote was he said, we all feel like coaches on the field. He said, we can coach the young bucks now because we know this defense inside and out so starting to hear that stuff rod just the, the competitiveness in practice like i guys kelvin banks and I, I appreciated this answer i you know that old line room specifically that's a tight room but you're also competing for reps and i love kelvin's answer he said look we know the deal none of us came here to sit the bench so like yeah we're friends but we all get the deal it just it feels different rod like i said i know we've been down this road before i know we've been here but maybe it's just the talent that I see can maybe it's confirmation bias on my point. I don't know. Talk me, talk me into what I'm thinking is right. And what I'm seeing here and feeling is right. Or tell me I need to maybe take a step back and, and take a breath here. Uh, no, I've heard those stories. I've, I've heard it. I, I heard, you know, the story from uh, Christian Jones when he was speaking about how the younger guys are coming in and they're, taking the examples of the veterans and they're working on their own, staying after practice. They don't have to be told or compelled to do it. They're doing it on their own. Heard that story. I heard uh, JT Sanders say the same thing that the younger guys are working. And, and the reason that stuck out to me is because I was talking to, man, I need to text him back. I see my man, Adam, Yubitowski, uh, you, I was talking to him the other day about, uh, you know, like where, where was the disconnect? Like where, where where did where did the we used to pass down the torch of you know I had pride that when it was my secondary mm -hmm. you know I had to wait it was Quinn Jamma's secondary when I when I first got here that was Jam baby. it was Jam it was Greg Brown and Jam it was they secondary uh, and I and then I I remember when Ahmad Brooks my boy Brad Brooks he was a leader in that secondary and I remember thinking to myself as a player I can't wait until this my secondary they gonna they gonna play they almost set the standard. And they're gonna play to a standard. It'll be my secondary. Yeah. And you know, I, and I remember thinking to myself, "Hey, I'm gonna pass it to Nasty Nate, my boy Nathan Basher, because he helped. Nasty Nate was a better player than me. I was a good player. Nasty Nate was a better player than me. And I, you know, he he probably thought it was his secondary, but I thought it was mine. <laughs> if I know Nasty Nate, he probably was like, that's my secondary. But right. that's like getting to what Kelvin Banks talked about. That's the that's the mentality you have to have in that room. I'm sure Huff Daddy when he came and he was like, it's gonna be my secondary one day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'll set the standard. I'll be the leader. I'll make sure I hold guys accountable. If guys need more work, if I see a guy struggling with a certain, you know, part of the game, technique, found, you know, fundamentals, whatever it is, hey, you know what? Rob B, I'll, I'll take ownership. I'll, you know, as, the film sessions, hey, Rob B, come to my room. Let's come to my room and let's let's start the film sessions, all right? Uh, I'll, I'll get some food. It's on me. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. That's before NILs. I'll spend some time with them. Anyway, but, uh, you know, I remember those times, and that's what you're talking about right now. You're talking about the little things that 
that that not only build and cultivate a culture, but that bind a brotherhood. And that's yeah. why it's those guys to this day, I'm bonded to that those bro- that brotherhood. And I remember passing it down and feeling good that I left the program better than I found it. I found it in 99, and you know, for me in 99, and we what, won nine games. When I left it, we were an 11-win team, and we should have won big, twiddles, big 12 titles and been on the cusp of winning national titles. And leave it better than you found it. And I think guys kind of have that mentality now, like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to leave it better than I found it. And there, I do, I, I hear the, the stories about the brotherhood. I hear the stories about, you know, playing for the man next to you, uh, you know, and playing, you know, for your your brothers and for a, a bigger purpose. So I'm with you. I don't want to get too high on it either. Because mm-hmm. last year, I ended up losing to Texas Tech early on in the season. I'm like, all right, you know what? <laughs> all that talk. <laughs> but it did prove that Ro- Rojo was the real leader because he came in and stepped up. It's like, no, nope, we need a team meeting. We got to fix this. So, you know, you may see some adversity early on. doesn't mean that these signs of, you know, promise with this team aren't real. Right. Matt, you, you've... Uh, and also, it sort of explains that like, you got the body of somebody being a like-minded individual and having teammates and players that have those same interests and really not only enjoy football, but, like, enjoy talking about it because it's something that's driving them and wanting to be able to not only be there for one another, but the idea of accountability. But it's almost because... It's your highest interest. You're doing this because you enjoy it too. When you get to that level, it really build a big camaraderie amongst each other. Yeah, I just you know to to hear the guys talk and to hear the things they're talking about, and uh, I don't know, it it really makes you think like, okay, maybe maybe now things really are different. And I mean, I think that's a credit to to the uh, you know Roger talk, talking to Alan Utoski. That's something we've talked about since this podcast started. Like where. Where did the disconnect occur and what caused it to occur? Maybe we're at the point now, whether it's a, a Roshan Johnson, uh, a Bijan Robinson, or Marvin Overshone, or Keandre Coburn, maybe those guys have fixed that in their own way. Like maybe, maybe we look at that group. I mean, you could look at that 2022 team and in a, in a perfect world, if you're a Texas fan, I think this is what you hope that 2022 team, uh, you know, kind of arrived similar to that 98 team that came before you. Like they might not be remembered as the team that, you know, won a championship or did anything, but that's the group that helped get it back on the right track and set the stage for, for what was to come. I just, the more I think about it, guys, the more I feel like, yeah, if, if, if Texas doesn't win this year, if they're not in Arlington playing for a big 12 championship game, it's not going to be because of a lack of talent. And it's not going to be because this is a team of selfish guys where the intangibles aren't there. Like it really, for me, it's really coming down to, what we talked about a couple of podcasts ago, it, it's going to come down to Quinn Ewers and Sark. That's really what what we're talking about here. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's why you know this year is going to be an indictment on Sark if you know they can't get to the double digit win mark and they can't get to a Big Twelve title because you know the talent advantage seems to be um, obvious, right? I saw yeah. Pro Football Focus; they have a, a three team all conference preseason uh, selection team that they picked for every conference in the country. And they actually tallied up how many all conference selections on those all three teams, each team has and who has the most. And they had Texas with the most in the country above Georgia and Bama. (laughs) So it's, it is, it's pretty obvious. Talent is not the issue, but we know talent has never been the issue at Texas. Like, you know, say what y'all want. I know a lot of y'all be like, oh, man, didn't have talent. Man, they had enough talent to win the Big 12. Ask K-State. Ask Oklahoma State <laughs> about right. winning the Big 12 and not having the most talent in the Big 12. Come on, man. You can do that, all right? You can do it with other things, uh, intangibles, with, with culture, with coaching, with scheme. There are other ways to do it. And Texas still hadn't figured out to get the advantage to be able to compete in the Big 12 in terms of winning a Big 12 title um, because they've only won – three of them and mm-hmm. they wanted with, you know, extraordinary talent and elite talent at, at quarterback in certain positions, but there are teams who have been able to win the big 12 and they haven't had the resources and the advantages that Texas has. So yeah, today we know talent is not the issue culture. That's what we're talking about right now. That doesn't seem to be the issue either. All right. The guys want to be at Texas. They, you know, guys are coveted elsewhere like Malik Murphy and they've chosen to stay at Texas for, 
reasons, a lot of reasons, NIL being one of them, and also the culture that Sark is building. So Sark's doing a great job with that. And they're being developed for the first time in a long time. All right. Guys are getting better on the 40 acres. The, the, the draftable prospects all right, are starting to become a big talking point with Texas football now and how many guys are draftable prospects now because they're being developed in the right way. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot, a lot of boxes being checked for Texas. Coaching is pretty, pretty much the last box. And coaching is part of Quinn Ewers' development. He's got all of the raw materials. He's got all the talent. How's he going to put it together? Development on the coaching, and that goes right back to Sark because he's the quarterback yeah. guru, he's the quarterback nurturer, and it's going to be that that element and also, like you talked about, how the team overall, how they achieve, if they underachieve or overachieve, yeah, uh, and if they end up meeting expectations. And if they don't, that's on Sark. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in, the, in anybody's mind if this team does not meet expectations – that is a direct indictment on Sark as a head no coach. No doubt. No doubt. Yep. And if you've looked at Texas, you brought it up right there, Rod, in just the recent years, the just glaring holes Texas had for like 15 years on the offensive line or at skill positions, not making NFL-level development, not getting guys to go and reach their potential. Because like you said, Texas had gotten five-star guys from time to time but just weren't able to develop them. Now he's – Finally seeing development and finally seeing some type of depth. And if you can get those things to come together, really makes everything else easier, not only, say, for your quarterback, but for your defense and also for the other skill guys because they get a lot less attention on them. I, I, I want to talk about this roster, but, uh, Rod, I want to throw something at you. I, I thought about this this morning. We had a staff chat at Horns 24-7, and somebody was asking – you know, is the Big 12 underrated and, and will the Big 12 get credit this year for being a better conference with expansion? And I thought about it. I said, you know, one of the things that's made the Big 12 fun to follow, to me anyway, has been this round-robin 10-team format that they've been in for over a decade because you know you're going to play everybody in the league every year. Everybody knows each other. That's why you see some, some matchups like K-State's been a bad matchup for Oklahoma. Iowa State's been a bad matchup for Texas. Like, whatever it is, do, do you feel like the Big 12 rod's going to lose some of that with expansion? Because I feel like they are. Like, I, I wouldn't call the Big 12 a great league, but it might be the most competitive league in the country. And you're losing Texas and Oklahoma, so you think, okay, competitive balance, say what you want about it. I just wonder if if we lose something watching the Big because we'll still pay attention to it. We'll still follow it. just wonder yeah. if you lose something expanding. Yeah, yeah, you, you definitely do. I think you do because, and first of all, you you lose you lose Texas and Oklahoma. Let's go literally here and then work our yeah. way to the to the other elements. You lose Texas and Oklahoma, and think about what that means, right? So you had, and it was, and that's why the Big Twelve was really kind of unique in a lot of ways because Texas and Oklahoma, they were almost an unchallenged. They were the two superior brands, and everybody in terms of the advantages. I'm not saying. Right. competitively, but those are all the advantages. It was like, no, Texas and Oklahoma, they're the big brands. They get all the best players. It is what it is. They get mm-hmm. probably, you know, the most money, all that kind of stuff in the Big 12 in terms of football. And the rest of the league um, was always in some way, some way, whether it be schematically, strategically, tactically, uh, whatever, they were trying to figure out a way to kind of catch up. Now, Oklahoma more than Texas, I would give you that. But right. it was definitely, most recently, it was it was them. But think about that, right? So think about the three, for example, the three high defense. The three high, three down defense, which is taking over football from a defensive perspective. And now you see it trickling up even to the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, you know, in his the Chiefs versus Tampa Bay uh, in the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay uh, has a dominant defensive performance, a legendary Hall of Fame game plan. And part of that game plan was using the three high defense versus Patrick Mahomes. Because yeah. right? it, it even confused him and Andy Reid a little bit. And now everybody has some elements of it. But it was it, it was created and it, the birthplace of it was in the Big 12. Right? And the right. reason for that is because Iowa State was trying to solve some problems. Well, I would say about coaches, they're just problem solvers. They're just right. trying to solve a problem. And they were trying to solve a problem of how do we compete a team with fewer resources, right, in the Big 12 with these teams who are running now the spread in all of its variations, air raid, you know, the, you talk about it, you have the hybrid spreads, mm-hmm. they're running all these different types of spreads. 
How do we compete with fewer resources and how do we defend more space with fewer defenders? How the hell do we solve these problems that seem yeah. co extremely complex? And they came up with the three high defense and a malleable positionless football like defense that would neutral help neutralize the spread. And it spread like wildfire, right? Now, half the teams in the Big 12 running, it starts kryptonite. Even Sark can't really figure it out. He's working on that. Uh, hell, Venables, even he was, you know, he was actually studying it, came Ames when he was working there at Clemson. Yep. And now NFL teams, like I just mentioned, they're using it. But they're mm -hmm. like, no, nah, no, nah, it's actually really effective. The run game coverages, same pressure packages, same fronts, but it's a look, a, a package, a presentation that is unfamiliar. Right. To all of these teams who usually go, oh, we're too high and one high. We know how cover one looks. We know how cover three looks. We know how cover two looks. We know how cover four looks. Uh, cover six looks. Nope, not number three high. You know how it looks because it shifts. It's malleable, right? And that came about because you had a team like Iowa State trying to solve a problem. And what team, I'm sorry, what conference was better at spread elements and spread football than the Big Talk? Because it was an incubator for it, right? The air raid was was it was created elsewhere, but it was popularized here in the Big Twelve, and it no spread doubt. even to the NFL and then all the So there's so I'm with you in terms of the ecosystem of it. It was able to create a lot, yeah, that affected football on a macro level. And when you lose Texas and Oklahoma, think about it. Hell, Bob Stoops, when he was a defensive coordinator in Florida, he went up against the air raid uh, at Kentucky when he was yeah. in the SEC and thought to himself, when I get my head coaching job, whoosh, I am definitely going to run that air raid offense because that is a mofo to stop. Mm -hmm. Came into the Big 12, changed football forever. Won a yeah. national title with. And then Mike Leach goes, set. you know what I mean? Like, air, that, that stuff happened in the Big 12. It affected football for now for decades, hell, probably for centuries when you're thinking about yeah. it going on in the future. And now we're like, uh, the Big 12 is not, it's not gonna be that anymore. And that was, that was Oklahoma part of that, Texas was part of it. Hell, I would say the game that they, you know, actually actually perfected the three high was against Texas. The Thursday you know night I mean? games. Yeah, so I'm with you, man, it's, just, it's, it's unfortunate. We'll see those, those, we'll see those instances elsewhere, but I don't know if you'll see the uh the, like the the extre more extreme examples that we're giving that help that happen on a macro level i think they'll be happening at more micro levels than the macro level but man big 12 offer a really uh unique ecosystem yeah of, of college football that we hadn't really seen and we're probably yeah. not going to see for a while. yeah and it was something where you had a lot of new thoughts talking about even with the zone read to just incorporate in the spread, everything that happened post leech. But like even how Jeff brought up just the idea of the round robin and playing every single team where you get a comprehensive schedule. I mean, it was the most advanced for, you know, look at basketball. Basketball is crazy. Now, when you look over at the SEC, you have teams like just still never played at Kyle Field and you've had. The SEC and the Aggies been together for 12 years. So, like, you're going to see scheduling. It's going to make it a lot to have uh, a balanced schedule across a conference. You just can't have that. So, it's going to shift by year-to-year -year basis. Strength of schedule changes, and it matters. In other sports, it's going to be even more key in places. We're talking about it the last year of Texas basketball. And, you know, the Kansas trip you used to be able to guarantee one here at all times. Those things go by the wayside. So some years, some teams are going to benefit. Some years, some teams won't. It's funny. We'll get back to Texas in a second. But like, if you think about college football 20 years ago, Rod, as you were starting your NFL career, and like you think about in the 20 years since, basically, Rod, in the 20 years since you've been out of college football as a player, if you look at the the programs that have wanted a seat at the table, you know, that, that they were, you know, G5 programs or kind of lesser than programs. I don't mean to knock any of these programs, but let's just face it, they're not the, the blue blood brands. Like the Big 12 now is going to be home to all of them, like Utah, TCU, UCF, Cincinnati. Like that's where, right. it, yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like, hey, say what you want about the Big 12, but everybody that was, yeah, BYU is a great example. Like everybody that was yeah. crying, well, these tough programs need a seat at the table. They need, well, they've got one now. And it's in the Big Twelve, so I, I, dude, yeah, that, that you're right. That, you're right. That's that's why it might, it's almost the out in the misfit toys. Yeah, gives you your power five, your power status. I don't know if they're five. If it's the Big 12. Big Twelve, 
But yeah, if it, it gives you a power status, and yet you're right. They, these are guys that have that. These are teams or programs that have that underdog mentality because they have been. It's been uphill battle for them mm -hmm. as a program, really since their most of their existence, probably. And then let's not forget, Rod, your your boyhood idol, Deion Sanders in Colorado, coming coming back into the uh, league too. It's that's gonna be fun. It, the the identity of this league is just it's. God, I love Dion. It's crazy how much it's shifting. Yeah, Go ahead, Dion, Matt. honestly, he's it, it's so it's so brilliant of Brett Yarmore to bring him in because next Big Twelve Media Days, everybody we've been talking about man, no Texas, no Oklahoma. Now ain't nobody gonna be talking about that at Big Twelve Media Days next year. Mm -mm. You'll be talking about all the teams coming in, and you'll be talking about Deion Sanders coming in with probably some band or something. You know, what I mean, some drum major in front of him, got a meat coat on or some walking in because <laughs> he's the show. So yeah. Brady Armor, he did a great job of making now the the future narrative about the Big Twelve. It ain't about Texas and Oklahoma leaving, which is what we thought it would be. It's like no, nah, nah, it's about what's to come. It's beer. It's beer. Yeah. I love me, bro. Y'all, Martin. He's a beast, man. He's a great. It's just, it's this gumbo of intriguing ingredients is what the new, the new Big Twelve is. I, I mean, if one, if one of those Arizona schools gets their s together, right? Because we, there's been various times in my life where Arizona's been good, where Arizona State's oh, yeah. been good. Yeah, uh, you know, think about Rod. You know. You've known Dwayne Aquino for over 20 years, like that Desert Swarm defense he was a part of with Teddy Bruschi and you know, Daryl Lewis and those guys. I mean, there, there was a time where Arizona was was a force in the Pac-10. So mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it's interesting to think about. But as we think of, as we take it back to Texas and we think about this Texas team and we talk about expectations, um, this is my annual. Hey, let me read you some numbers that aren't you know too too great. Before I do that, did you what did you guys make if anything of Texas being number 12? In the preseason coaches poll, I know the coaches poll is it's really the SIDs poll of those coaches who have votes. But what, however you want to look at the coaches poll, is that that just right? A little too high, a little too low. Where are you guys at on Texas being twelve in the preseason coaches poll? It's actually perfect. Right outside the top ten, their highest big Big Twelve team, highest ranked Big Twelve team, and I believe five of their opponents on their schedule are in. The preseason coaches poll. You have Bama, TCU, K State, Oklahoma, and Tech. So I think they're actually in the perfect spot. I mean, I really think that's actually really good for. It's, it's high because Texas really hasn't proven much, but at least you didn't put them in top ten. That would be completely disrespectful because Texas hasn't proven they deserve to be a top ten team, really. Yeah. Other than, ex, other than the high expectations and projections. I feel like it's. It's an adequate. When you look at them on paper, go ahead, Matt. yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, but I'm just saying when you look at them on paper, it's somebody like say Texas. Uh, I know Bill Conley had him come out at nine in his preseason rankings, but if you look at the difference from team eight to team twelve, it's really like a one and a half point difference. It's a bigger gap between seven and eight than eight and twelve. So eight and twelve's almost just clumped together. So then those eight those five teams are Oregon, Texas, USC, Florida State, and Clemson, all right in there together, eight through twelve. I feel like twelve is a good spot, not just when you because let's be honest. I mean the poll the polls are going to give probably the selection committee a good idea of where teams might need to be slotted once those first CFP rankings come out. So it's, it's, it's the, the coaches poll. Once that first CFP rankings comes out, it's neither here nor there. It's it's almost out of sight, out of mind. But for me thinking about Texas and where they're ranked, it's a combination of, it's kind of the happy medium for me between an adequate amount of respect for the team that by the media or whoever else has been picked as the preseason favorite in the big 12. It's the happy medium between that and yeah, it's Texas. Like we've seen this before. We're not, we're not going to rank them in the top 10. I actually, guys, I, I went back and started looking at some coaches poll numbers since 2010, the year Texas started fourth in the coaches poll and finished obviously unranked when you're five and seven, mm -hmm. such as life. Uh, yeah. You guys realize this is their second highest preseason ranking in the coaches poll in the last decade plus. I'm not that surprised. Tom Herman's Sounds third year. Right. Tom Herman's third year, 2019. They were preseason number 10, and now and now they're at 12. 
So that's kind of where this program has lived. And it's, you know, we, we can talk about everybody's, oh, everybody's all hyped on Texas every year. Everybody's hyped on Texas every year. Yeah, not really. Because if you look, starting in 2011, these are your preseason coaches poll rankings. 24th, 15th, 15th, 24th, 24th, not ranked. 23rd, 23rd, 10th, 14th, 19th, 18th, 12th. So it's not like in these polls, everybody just puts Texas in the top yeah. 10 every year and hopes for the best. As Rod, as you said one time, you're, you're go with God playing like, all right, this is going to be here. I'll just put them in there, put them number seven on my ballot yeah. and we'll see what happens. It's, it really hadn't been like surprised. that. I'm surprised about that, actually. Yeah. But there's still no doubt Texas has underachieved. Even with that, those rankings, Texas is still underachieved. You go look at it. I believe the number is if you, in the last 13 years, if you would have bet the under on the Texas win totals, uh, mm-hmm. Texas, you would you basically you would have won big because Texas has gone under in their preseason win totals in 12 of the last 13 years, and only that 2018. Yeah, I think all of them since 18. Yeah, 2018 is the only year they actually exceeded the preseason win total. If you look at the, the betting numbers in the Vegas Wise Guys, so right. still uh, an underachieving program. I get what you talk about the expectations. That is fair. Longhorn fans definitely have higher expectations than that. So maybe that's why we live in the bubble and we're thinking about Texas having high expectations. But yeah, I mean, still for the most part, they never win as many games as they should. And now they're at, I predicted, nine and a half. Everybody says they're going to go over that and win double digit, even myself. And they should. If they don't, it'll mm-hmm. make us like a fool. And then everybody's going to be, the blowback will be immense. Even with a nine, even with nine wins, I'm telling you, the blowback yeah. on Sark unbelievably unbelievably vitriolic because then it'll still be like oh well sark couldn't win double digit games you can't do it because then it'll be like sark yeah you'll be like sark is only a nine win coach and a quote-unquote weak big 12 where you clearly it's and it's not just that assumption that texas should have the best roster because let's be honest man there were years whether it was late in max tenure or throughout charlie's time or or some of those years under tom herman oh man texas has the best roster in the big 12 you go back and look no they didn't no, they didn't. And but this is one of those years where you can say, yeah, I do think they had top to bottom the best roster in the Big Twelve. And if Sark only won nine games in a regular season with that, even if that did get you to Arlington, I think that flips it. Where hey, if nine and three gets you to Arlington, you better go there and win the thing to get you to ten and make sure you get in the New Year's Six. Yep. If the, if the playoff is the off the table at that for, point, do you need the best roster in the Big Twelve to win the Big Twelve though? That's the beauty of the Big 12. We figured out. You don't need the best roster. Oklahoma just dominates because they're Oklahoma. Yeah. They got the best coaching and then the best roster sometimes, too. But K-State is proven. Oklahoma State's proven. Baylor's proven. You don't need the best roster. Yeah, exactly. You don't need the best roster. 100%. Yep, and also, if you're just for betting purposes, that Big 12 championship doesn't matter towards the win total. you got to get them in the regular season. And that's where, like, Texas's game against Alabama makes that win total sort of be a tipping point because like, a team like Oklahoma, Oklahoma's right there with Texas also at nine and a half wins. But their non-conference is a bit easier with teams like Arkansas State, SNU, and Tulsa. So that's one where you may be able to get there because Texas getting there with Alabama is a little bit tougher. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I went back and looked at it. And I think I'm if I'm counting this right, if I've done my math right. So in 1990, we're talking a long sample size, a, a long time, a long period of time. That was when the uh, coaches poll went to 25 teams was in 1990. So they did a true preseason top 25. There's only been seven times counting 1990. That was a shock the nation tour year. Only seven times since the coaches poll went to 25 teams that Texas either ended the season with the same ranking that they started with or finished better than where they were ranked in the preseason. That's only seven times in the last, what is that, 30, 32 years? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. Yeah. There's a, exactly. So, and if you think back, it, you got like what, 2018? Be like 2008, 2005, a handful of seasons that you've been able to do it and then go back to a couple in the 90s. 
Rod, you were a part of one of those teams, 2001. You guys preseason number six and finished ranked number five in the poll. Yeah. So. Uh, we should we should have that year. We probably should have won a Big Twelve title. Probably we should have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I said it before on yeah. the show, man. That 01 team. By the way, if you guys can see, I'll show you guys real quick in in the man cave. Uh, that there it is over my shoulder. That's my 2001 team signed poster hanging up on the wall over there. Nice. Yeah. Once we get the video, once we get the video portion of this going, I'll be able to show off some of the the stuff that I have. And I've got stuff packed away and whatnot. So nice. Um, yeah. By the way, did you guys see this new piece I had? I don't know for like for the podcast, people like Jeff, we can't see anything. Like, I know, right? I'm doing this for an audience of two right now. But my Mac <laughs> Brown, my Mac Brown Daryl Royal piece that I've added to the uh that's, to the man cave. Yeah. That's where you slick, man. That was nice. That was courtesy of a, a, a Light the Tower listener as a token of appreciation. Oh for, wow. For nice. Yeah. yeah. Legit, man. Yeah, that's so, so you know, one thing that I did I did take away in man. Rod, you've been part of these long enough. You've been going to these long enough, man. When you you get to some of these camp practices, it's real easy to get excited. And look, I know we talk about fans drinking the Kool-Aid. Trust me, when I get out on a practice field and I'm just watching football, even if it's still glorified underwear Olympics, like it's still like you get the the juices flowing. Like, all right, football's here. I can smell the grass. And, you know, there's players who shall not be named, projectile vomiting 10 feet from me. Like, this is real. Like, we're, we're, right, in the, we're right in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's real easy to go to a practice and just want to be like, oh man, everything is great, but and, and maybe oversell some stuff. But to me, like the one thing that stands out is just it's how comfortable Quinn Ewers looks. And I know he looks more business like with the haircut. And we've heard about how he's changed. And JT Sanders said, I don't know <laughs> what it was, but it seems like the minute he cut that mullet, he was like a completely different person. But the confidence and the comfort level he's practicing with. It's like it's we saw it start in the second half of that bowl game against Washington. He hit the ground running in winter conditioning. I think we saw a different Quinn during the spring. And I, it feels like just in terms of the confidence and his comfort level in Sark's offense, Rod, at least those things, we're seeing him on that upward trajectory. The proof will be in the pudding, but I, I just maybe that at its root is what's giving me confidence about this team is I, I like where Quinn Ewers is at based on what my eyes have told me. Yeah, I mean, that's when you know your quarterback is achieving at a high level. The truth is, and I've been told this, you know, by quarterbacks, as a quarterback, if you cannot ball out in practice, then you're just not necessarily – and I'm not saying all the things. So sometimes you have bad games and some bad practices and guys make plays. But in practice, you're taking out the biggest threat from the quarterback position, which is hitting the quarterback. Right. He doesn't have to worry yes. about it. And you literally have taken it out of the equation. Everybody gets yelled at. Take you get dismissed from practice if you touch the quarterback. You hit him. Hell, even Michael Parsons. He recently hit Dak Prescott. Yeah. And Michael Carson stopped practice. Got on Michael Parsons. Man, I don't give a damn who you are. You cannot touch this get this man. Okay. You cannot touch him. You leave him alone. When you come around him, you need to pull up. I don't give a damn. If you're trying to finish the rep hard, we don't care. Yeah. There are some things that matter more than you finishing the rep hard and getting in, and, you know, cultivating your technique. And you don't trust the quarterback. They'll yeah. get you in a doghouse quick. So for quarterbacks, he said, I, I'm glad they look good in practice. I'm glad. And I'm, you know, I'm glad he's processing things well. But the truth is, the game, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't have to worry about getting hit. Then yeah. the, the, blitz ain't, the blitzes ain't real. The yeah. pressure ain't real. It's all fake pressure. It's fake pressure. Mm-hmm. It ain't real pressure. He knows, right. oh, yeah, they're coming. And by the way, they always have the quarterback finish the rep. Mm-hmm. Even if a guy's coming right at him, they let him finish the rep. He throws it. A guy off to the side is like, well, I think he would have got hit in the face. Now nah, I'm finished the rep. Let's make it look real good. <laughs> so the practice for the quarterback, it is for, for me as a, a DB, it's the practices are tougher because I got quarterbacks who don't have real pressure. So I practice yeah. this, man. If I'm out there balling in practice and I had zero receptions on me in practice, Robbie, man, I'm ready. I'm ready for the quarterback. It's a little tougher. The, tran- the transition from the practice to game is a lot more drastic for them. Yeah, you know what for else? Me, yeah, for sure. Practice. And whenever you, yeah, 
Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, and you look at just the numbers. I know it's something that I broke into uh, back at the end of last year. But when you look at Quinn last season, and we've all talked about Quinn, definitely didn't meet a lot of expectations and struggled at times. But when he was kept clean, he was one of the better quarterbacks, you could say, arguably in the country. It's just he wasn't kept clean very often. He was under a ton of pressure. And when you look at the numbers, PFF's big-time throw rate. He was second in the conference amongst quarterbacks, only behind Will Howard, who had a 7.1% big-time throw rate. You had Quinn at 6.6. And we're talking out of uh, over 160 quarterbacks ranked, Quinn was 14th in the country. And the guys, the company that he kept was Anthony Richardson, was right above him at 6.9, but had a lower passer rating. Quinn's was 97.6. Anthony Richardson was 92.9. Other backs up in that group, C.J. Stroud was at 7.3%. Then you have guys like Jordan Travis and Drake May who were Heisman, you know, not to say front runners, but way up there in the overall rankings. You had Quinn well ahead of quarterbacks like Jalen Daniels. And you just look at it, and it's pretty good company. It's just you're relying along the offensive line and a lot of other factors. And most quarterbacks are successful when kept clean. It's just Quinn was one of the most successful when kept clean. Rod, the other thing that you had working against you in practice, and this is the this is like my practice pet peeve of everything I see in a practice. And it especially goes for camps. When I go cover a camp every now and then, don't do it as much as I used to when I yeah. still get out to a couple of years. When wide receiver DB one-on-ones are going to the point where you tell yourself like, there's no way when is a corner, are you ever going to have to cover one-on-one that long? I'm never going to have to cover a guy for 10 seconds, 12 yeah, exactly. seconds. Exactly. And then yeah, the wide yeah, receiver's yeah. like, Oh yeah, I must have like no. quarterback got Scrambled you. seven seconds ago, man. Just go back, go back to the line of scrimmage. Nothing, nothing is more geared towards the, to the offense and more advantageous to the offense than football practice. It is yeah. oh, it's mind-blowing how much it is catered to the offense. Everything is about the offense and trying to get the offense advantages. So defense, yeah, I, I've always said I agree with you because I saw the Bijan clips in one-on-one. Sometimes I'm like, man, Bijan, that's a long time. Like, like five, <laughs> six seconds running that round. We love Bijan. Right. But... I love Bijan. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to have – I don't know if the Falcons' old line is going to give Desmond Ritter that much time. You, you, have no faith yeah, in, right. you have no faith in Jake Matthews, Rod? Yeah, I'm just saying, just throwing it out there. You know, I, I, I know I'm going to watch the Falcons a lot this year. Yeah. You know, watching B. Jim, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have something, Matt? Looking on to it, uh, just looking on those Quinn numbers that I put out there on time to throw of the 14 quarterbacks that he ranks right up there with, he was the second lowest number getting it out in 2.26 seconds. It was in Kosi Perry at 2.2 was the only guy that was getting it out quicker than him so you know they that sort of marrying together kept clean but also understanding what the job is to get it out of your hands and doing so before the pressure can get there and man this wide receiver group uh i'm telling you like watching isaiah nayer you can tell he's at the point where a lot of guys coming back from an acl tear are where it's like the last thing he's got to do is really just trust it and just cut loose and go like he's almost there but you can tell there's still that little – Rod, you're an athlete. You can describe it better than I can. Like, it's almost like it looks like he's hesitant, but you can tell, like, he just he just probably doesn't trust it enough to just stick a foot in the ground and get vertical and just cut it loose yet. Yeah, and it might not be strong enough just yet. You know what I mean? He's still working. I mean, he still can – he can do things, but maybe – and you're right, he just doesn't trust it. Um, and I don't know what – I think every guy that's different. You know, yeah. Every player has to win, he'll trust it. Uh, but he'll be – he won't have to be rushed. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. The wide receiver court is deep. You ain't got to rush him. When he when he, st- he looks like he's feeling confident, and you'll be able to tell when the wide receiver's confident coming in out of a break. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no doubt. You can tell when a guy's hesitant and when he's confident coming in out of a break. So I think once they figure out he's confident, they'll be able to use him. But the beauty of the wide receiver court this year is you got guys that can do everything. They're versatile. You got guys that can – Run after the catch on wide receiver screens. You got guys that can be the deep threats. You have versatile weapons that can be almost anything uh, that is required in the passing game, like X Man. Hell, even like Dante Cook. But you got 
A.D. Mitchell. You got Isaiah Nayo. You got Jay Witt. Hell, J.T. Sanders got to be included in that, too. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, really the wide receiving core is, to me, the strength of the team right now. I know the O-line is nice, too, but that wide receiving core, I think it yeah. sets mm -hmm. the table for the identity of team and the identity of the offense is going to be passing game. Last year was a running game because you had two NFL running backs back there, your best player and your best leader running backs. I think this year, uh, and I said last year, it should be, you know, put some Bijan on it with Sada Rojo this year. It's about that passing game, man. That passing game can be lethal, and you don't. it doesn't always have to be a downfield vertical passing game. I mean, you got right. so many weapons. You really can emphasize the quick game, yards after the catch. Uh, you can emphasize the screen game. You can really let the short game be an extension of your run game. Mm -hmm. since you, you got good running backs, but they're unproven commodities. So why the hell would you build offense around those guys? I would, man, I would try to get as many. Your quarterback is a strength, too. He's a veteran now in the system. Your O-line should be better at pass blocking. Um, to me, that should be the identity of the team. And, I, I you know, I've been even thinking about it. I heard Sark talking about how if they deploy five different, you know, receivers out there, you know, I think empty formation probably this year. You know, last year I said 21 personnel should be, you know, your kind of cheat code because you can get, Bijan and Rojo on the field together. Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying to get the best 11. Remember, that's my, my goal. I'm trying to get the best 11 out there. I really don't give a damn. And I'll, I'll, I'll build a game plan. My yeah. best 11 football players, you no know, best 11, we don't win. Yeah. And I think one of the ways to cheat codes to get your best 11 out there is to go more empty formation this upcoming season. You go look at it uh, post-injury. Quinn Hughes was really good at it. He actually thrived in it. And that game versus Washington – he went, he went seven of eight out of empty formation. Had some had nice plays, had a big run out of empty formation. Mm -hmm. So he got really comfortable with, with that empty formation because it speeds up your internal clock. It it forces the defense to reveal their hand. They have to tell tell they have to tell the offense exactly what they're doing in terms of alignment and yeah. assignments. There is no pre-snap show disguise out of empty on the defensive side. And I think it stresses the defense more than any other formation or concept. And for Texas last season, I said post-injury, Quinn Ewers was dealing out of empty. And I'm telling you, you were getting a really high first down rate, really high first down and touchdown rate out of empty. And think about it, guys. If you work that Savion Red package, you put him in that backfield, and then you decide to go empty, um, man, your receivers would be Savion Red, JT Sanders, Jay Witt, A.D. Mitchell, and X-Man, you would have probably three matchup advantages across the board, even if they decided to. And you can do it with Jay Witt, too. Put Jay Witt back there. I, yeah. I do it with Sabian Red because Jay Witt's a little fragile. But you can do it with, with Jay Witt, too, and have the same thing with Isaiah Nayor and some other guys and go empty. And if they try to adjust with Dime or they decide to put quarters out there with seven DBs to adjust to your empty formation – that's fine. That's exactly what you want him to do. Yeah. You put JT Sanders at in line. You put Savion Red in the backfield. And you go, okay, we got a mammoth offensive line. We got the biggest offensive line in the Big 12. And now you want to go dime and you want to go quarters against the Texas O-line? Please do. Let's just go. Five yards of pop, baby, running downhill. You really let them pick their poison. If yeah. Texas doesn't lead the country in empty formation this year, I'll be a little disappointed. Because I think you've got the weapons. Lead the country, Rod. Right? You're, you're throwing it out there. You're throwing the gauntlet down. They should lead the country. They should have led the country in 21. For, honestly, they should have led at least Power 5 and 21 personnel last year. They didn't. And what was the most effective passing personnel set last year? What was the most explosive personnel set last year? 21. 21 personnel. Who told him to do it? Who told him to do it? Robbie, 21. Do it. Do it. He did it a little, but not enough. Not enough. He needs to be an extremist. He's too much of a moderate. I'm tired of moderation. I need you to be an extremist, man. You find something that works. You do it over and over again. You make them regret not adjusting to you. You don't do them a favor and take your best personnel package off the field. If they can adjust to it, then too bad for them. Cram it down their damn throat. Let them choke on it. That's what I need from Sarkin. I don't get enough of it. Let it be known, kids. Not everything and is when good in moderation. <laughs> exactly. Yes, but empty this year. I'll take it. I can go with it, Rod. When you look at the numbers, Texas be one of the few teams that has 
a handful of guys that can beat you in man and in zone. A lot of the times you only have guys that do one or the other. And, you know, you have a great tight end in Jatavian Sanders, a guy that proved last year he can find the soft parts of his own and he annihilated zone defense. But when you look at in their history of their careers, A.D. Mitchell, vast success both ways. Same with Jordan Whittington, been able to beat man and zone. Same with Xavier Worthy. And then if you look back at Isaiah Nayor, a guy that was insane in zone when he was at Wyoming, it is a lesser competition, but also a guy that could beat you in man to where when you have that ability to beat both things, anything that they show, you have this many guys on the outside that can win in all situations. You need to go out there and make the defense reveal what they're doing to you and you can take advantage yeah the only the only thing this two things before we switch gears and talk a little defense before we get out of here uh the only two things that the one thing i was disappointed by in the the open media windows for practice is savion red's status standing on the depth chart which was last dead last Mm -hmm. on the depth chart so 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 i'm going on there well well yeah, I'm not surprised by that though. I'm yeah. not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Got time to fix it. But... Yeah. Uh and you know, I tend to have a man crush on one of the newcomers every year. Boys, they Sark's not gonna be able to keep Jonte Cook off the field. I'm just telling you right now. There's no way you keep that guy off the field all year. Yeah. He's gonna play high leverage snaps. Now, that's why the wide receivers, you and going back to why you should play more empty formation. Even Sark admitted he's going to expand the rotation of the wide receivers, something he never does. Even when he had, you know, groups at Alabama, he still was funneling that usage to a, you know, just a primary group, a small primary group of wide receivers. These are my guys. He's talking about now, now I got to play more wide receivers. I just got too many good ones. You know what? And I think he needs to, listen, like I said, I want him to be an extremist. And if he takes that empty formation uh, advice for me, like he should have took the 21 personal advice, he did, but not, not, not enough. Should have been more. Those guys were elite, man. Why didn't you yep. have them on the field together as much as possible? And you had a deep uh, in the backcourt. You still had Keenan Robinson. But with this empty empty set, dude, the, the origins of the empty set that I could find, you got it's actually Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice at Mississippi oh, Valley yeah, State, yeah, yeah. Archie Cooley as his head coach. They're running that satellite express offense. And it would always say about a brilliant scheme. Uh, it's not God on heaven, the football guys <laughs> handing you, you know, the tablets from the mountaintop. It's a coach trying to solve a damn problem. Yeah. And Archie Cooley was trying to figure out, all right, you know what? How do I get Jerry Rice one-on-one? All right, and he put Jerry Rice on one side of the field on the set, unbalanced, and he put four wide receivers on the other side. And he said, "Defense, make a choice. You pick your poison. I'll get. I'm a gentleman. I'll do you the honor of picking your own damn poison. How do you? How you want it? You want to get? You want Jerry Rice to get it one on one? You want to do that and put all your numbers over here to defend four wide receivers? Then go right ahead." But if you're over here and you're you want double Jerry, I get that because he's a beast and he'll always be one on one. But then you know you're gonna be short on this number side over here, and then we're gonna eat you alive with our bunt sets, and we're gonna eat you alive because we got wide receivers and you still putting linebackers on the field. He was an extremist about it, yeah. and it was brilliant. It was a coach trying to solve a problem. I think the same thing for Sark this year. I mean, don't be, you know, what I mean, don't be uh, put in the box by conventionality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, you got a lot of great wide receivers, man. Put them on the field. Yeah, I know you don't like to play a lot of eleven. Uh, sorry, a lot of ten personnel. You know what I mean? You you can do it. Actually, JT Sanders, I consider him a wide receiver at this point. Even Sark said the point five. He's out there. You know, you can just go spread sets, and like I said, and then you can just shift that running back out there and easily end up going with empty sets. And then you you know, and then Quinn knows the matchup advantages are. They're already baked in yeah. to the concept. So yeah. for me, I think, like I said, I think he should lead the country in, in that category. And I, I wouldn't doubt this year if he not only expands the rotation, but if there are some, instead of him gearing more toward 12 personnel and heavier sets like he did last year because he had so many good running backs, he might trend toward spread sets. You might see that red package. Remember at Alabama, you had a red package. Yep. Mm-hmm. You had four wide receivers on the field. You went 10 personnel. 
Not saying you should ever take JT Sanders off the field, but if there will be a couple of plays where you do it. That might be the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I, man, yeah. I just, and I, I love, that was I a love time John whenever Smith, you had, yeah, you had guys like Mechie and that uh, barely being able to see the field and he had to make packages like that at Alabama to get those guys on the field. And I loved hearing Xavier Worthy talk about how, you know, he's almost like a uh, cooks a mini me to him. And, t- and I even saw a video of some of their routes spliced next to one another and how similar they are. And it'd be really big for a young player to have a guy that, has already excelled in a similar type role. And whenever you talked about empty, Rod, not only is it helped so much to help the declaration of the defense and they have to declare and can maybe simplify the problem for the offense, but then also, you know, and we expect offense line to be much improved, but a big benefit of empty is strictly just spreading out the defense. It's like this way they do it in the NBA with spreading that five out and get that center out to clear up space to drive the lane. It's the same thing is the more people that you take away from the line of scrimmage, the less chance they have to come and rush and get to the passer and get a sack. And that's a big part where you can end up benefiting, even though you really didn't intend on it working out that way. It's just the way it works out when you spread the numbers. Yep. Rod, I'll let you get the last word in here. Uh, as and we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk more defense next week. The first scrimmage is coming up this weekend, which those things typically get more slanted to the defense. I mean, see, Rod, the defense you you guys eventually get yours right when the coaches don't have to stop practice. Like, hey, we need to get some work in. We need to get some work in. Let's let's go ahead and make some personnel changes. No, scrimmage is all about defense getting to cut it loose, and who cares who's yeah, exactly. getting working at that point? You, let's see True. who wins. Um, so we'll we'll probably get a better idea of the defense. But Rod, I, I want you to. Tell me which of these three things that have popped up defensively are a bigger deal to you. Sark mentioning Alfred Collins as one of the top performers in camp so far. Is it Terrence Brooks looking like he's got the early edge, that inside track at that field corner spot? Or is it the fact that by all accounts, a healthy Jalen Catalan is as good or better than advertised? Which one of those three are you more likely to latch on to? Wow. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, it's got to be Terrence Brooks because you have yeah. options at D tackle. First of all, your front line guys are, are great. So mm-hmm. Andre Swain, Byron Murphy are great. Uh, they got trail. <clears throat> you can throw him in there. If you know, if it wasn't Alfred Collins, hopefully it's a young Vernon Bryden. It's uh, who's the other guy? Was it uh, Aaron Bryant's in that mix? And Bryant. Yeah. So you got you got some guys. There's some bodies you can throw out there. Mm-hmm. You're not bereft of talent at all. Yeah. Uh, at Jalen Catalan, listen, you got three safeties potentially. So you already got Keaton Crawford and you got Jerry Thompson. So mm-hmm. it's not an emer- it's not an, an urgent emergency issue if you don't have Jalen Catalan right now up to speed or if he's just not on track or whatever. Yeah. The biggest issue would be you had no answer for field corner other than moving Jade Barron from nickel to field corner. That you that's a dependable option. Right. And that's why Terrence Brooks, if he is the most improved player in the offseason, which PK said on defense. And if he is the guy that is playing at a high level right now, and X Man says, you know, that he's giving him the most trouble, which he told us when we interviewed him that no, nah, Terrence Brooks gives me a lot of trouble and he's a freak out there uh, defensively, athletically, then yeah, that's the one. Because that field corner, guys, that's a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And you're an offensive mind, you can build a hell of a game plan if, all, if they got a weak field corner. As the Dallas Cowboys, who are top five defense, is still teams were picking them apart mm. at the cornerback spot opposite Trevor and Diggs. So to me, that to, to me is the reason that I'm optimistic about this Texas defense. And that Terrence Brooks is on track and, and Jalen Catalan. Now I'm just adding to it. Now you got six DBs pretty much you trust yeah. as starting DB. Yep. That's, that's, that's legit. That gives you a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting Brooks to do that would be huge, and Catalan's one where you just are hoping he's healthy come game time because you know he's already a high-level performer. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for us for this week. Again, if the sound quality is not up to snuff or whatever, trust me, we're getting the kinks worked out. We'll be By the time the Rice game gets here, we'll be up and ready and ready to go. Uh, Matt, thanks for everything, man. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at Horns 24-7 and for the Horn family, which uh, if you've missed any of our shows, you can get them anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247, no dashes, slashes, or spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of The Blitz when it drops. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. And if you want to go old school, Matt has archived our classic interviews and shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Nice. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horns 24-7 family, for the Longhorn Blitz family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.